Hi everyone, welcome again, finally after a long time, to a new episode of Time and Podcast. My name is Adam and I'm here today, as always, with Brendan and today we'll be looking at the latest news topics in the world of racing games and then discussing a feature topic at the end of the podcast. Right, and uh, if you want to know where we were, um, about a month ago, I think we were going to record the next episode of this show, I had to go to Barcelona for Mobile World Congress because uh, I'm a tech journalist, came back and immediately got the flu, like, without missing a beat. Um, the first of those be... complications sounds better than the second. <laughs> right, right. Yes. I have to say, a lot of people didn't feel bad for me because they're like, you were in Barcelona, so I don't even, I couldn't feel bad for you that, like, you got the flu, like, you had such an amazing work trip. Um, and it was it was a nice trip, but I come back, get the flu, uh, and then we figure you don't want to hear me just coughing and falling asleep on air. Uh, safe to say, though, I will probably do some coughing during this show, so I guess get used to it. Um, and yeah, and now we're, we're finally back. And the timing's actually pretty good, because uh, there's a lot that's been going on. I mean, some of the things that we were talking about in our last episode just have worked out that we now know exactly what they are or they've released. Yeah, so that was good. perfect timing, to be honest. Um so we'll be able to talk about that but yeah it was such a surprise especially because it was this week that they actually showed it off so if we did record last week we wouldn't have had the chance to discuss it so happy days right right and you know we planned it that way so oh, of course. Um, <laughs> if you if you were upset about the lack of time extend uh, all four of you then this was this was definitely part of the plan so we'll just get right into it and this one is probably the most recent piece of news as we're recording this on a Sunday, as always, uh, a new Sonic Racing game. And that's really all we can call it, because from the teaser trailer, it just said Sonic... Well, I mean, there was just an R, which is styled like the Sonic R uh, from the game of yeah. you know 20 years ago. And you could make out the word racing, and that's it. So... I don't know. I mean, knowing nothing about this game, because they just showed us a teaser of, like, what I assume is Sonic's ride, um, like Sonic's car or whatever, just a couple of quick cuts in black and white, and then the part of the logo with the Sonic R highlighted. I have to imagine that this is probably just Sonic All-Stars Racing 3, but they decided finally to give it a better name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an interesting scenario because there was a, a rumor about three weeks ago that developed on top of the other rumors about another Sonic racing game coming that specifically said that the Sega aspect of the game would be dropped in favor of just Sonic. Now the reason I think this reveal has given that a slight bit of credibility is because it was announced at the, the Sonic SXSW panel so I mean Maybe this is going to be Sonic Racing and that's it. The Sega part is unfortunately going to be dropped, but at the same time, they might have just went down this route with the teaser by having the R from Sonic R there because it was a Sonic panel and that would have generated hype. So I really hope they haven't dropped the Sega stuff because as much as I love Sonic and the, the music and the locations for the levels, I really think we'd miss things at Jet Set Radio if they were to go away. Yeah, I mean, I guess where I'm coming from is just like, the name was so bad before that Sonic, I guess you could say, is a bigger brand when you're naming this game compared to Sega. So you could still have all the same content and just 
leave out the Sega? I mean, was what what you saw, did it explicitly say that like there wouldn't be Sega content or just that they would drop the Sega name? Yeah, so the the rumor that I seen that was I mean, I say a rumor, it was literally a comment on the Sonic Stadium <laughs> forums uh, said that um, it would be focused on Sonic. Now, maybe focused on means that we're still going to get some form of other Sega content, but it seemed like that was going to be the general direction. But even in this teaser, it didn't even say Sonic Racing. We're obviously referring to it like that, because of course it is. But all we did see was that R, which was obviously part of the word racing by the looks of it. But as far as I can see, there was nothing. They didn't highlight any other part of the logo, which also interested me, because maybe would have got like the Sonic head silhouette in there or something like that. But no, just the R. So yeah, we didn't see anything in that logo that I guess now that I think about it, that said Sonic or yeah. would indicate Sonic. It was just the R, which I mean was enough to get me absolutely just like so conf- I just have so many questions like of all of the things you could bring back Sonic R I mean I know that's I know <laughs> I know it's too early to say this is a Sonic R sequel or anything like that I'm sure it's not I'm sure they're just like pulling on this for the logo or the reveal or something but like that's such an obscure reference to make I mean granted they were at the Sonic S uh, South by Southwest panel yeah, yeah. so like I understand that but like if they if they were to run with Sonic Racing written out in that font, you know, or Racing written out in that font. It's just such an obscure reference. I mean, who would have ever thought that Sonic R, which was, like, laughed at in its day and continues to be laughed at (laughs) uh, in memes and, and, you know, stories over the years and Tales Doll and the music and everything, like, who would have thought that that game would become relevant again in 2018? I, I just can't believe it. It was such an obscure reference to appear and I mean, like I was saying, I'm a bit cautious at the moment because I feel like that teaser could have been made by knowing what other games or announcements there were going to be at the panel because obviously, unrelated, but Sonic Mania Plus get announced and that's bringing back some old characters that only the most hardcore would know. So everyone at the panel would know the Sonic R, R as soon as they'd see it because like us, <laughs> they're obsessed with those kind of tiny little details. So I mean... Who knows, maybe the R was just put there to generate hype because it was almost retro-themed, or perhaps it, it's it's a good reason to use the R because it's got a bit of he- heritage there. Yeah. We've all felt the sunshine before. <laughs> and, um, right, right. Uh, yeah, We've all so, worked it out. I mean, I, yeah, it's interesting. I gotta say that um, the... I, I Really, I just like that... I really like that font. Like, I don't know, it's just cool. Like... Seeing that R and then like oh they'll write out the whole rate the whole word racing with that with that same font I don't know it's just a cool it was a cool logo even though it wasn't like a cool game so <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with seeing it. I think back. that's what really interests me about this Sonic Racer. It's the coolness factor. Like we've talked about Mario Kart before and how Mario Kart Eight's one of the best ones, but it still had that happy go lucky almost babyish feel to it a lot of the time. But I feel with the Sonic Racing games they're not. They're not scared to embrace the edginess that the series has always kind of carried, whether that's in the soundtrack with some good beats or even just track design by having stuff like House of the Dead in there and that type of thing. So that's what I'm really excited to see because even this teaser was pretty edgy for a kart racer, if we're going to be honest. Yeah. With the, the black and white and the security cam footage of the cars that sounded great, might I add. It's a small detail, but <laughs> yeah. I was very impressed with how uh, realistic they sounded. 
Have we seen that particular card before? It looked really familiar. What I can so I've got two theories here. I, I did look at the footage quite a lot, and it might just be an updated version of the car that was in uh, Sonic Transformed and All Stars Racing before it. Yeah. But then somebody on my timeline on Twitter posted the Sonic Drift Two car that Sonic drives, and it almost looks like an updated version of that. But that could be in part due to the fact that maybe the car used in the most recent games was also based on it. So I don't want to make a, a sweeping statement there. But it looked familiar, but at the same time had that new generation polish almost. But it, it, it was CG, obviously, by the looks of it. But Right, right. Um, I don't know. It looked familiar, but I don't think it was exactly the same as the car from the previous game. It wasn't, because I looked up the car from Transform, which is very similar to the car from the first one. And... and they do kind of have like they have like more vertical headlights and like the taillights look different so like it's not the same car but it looks very familiar to me but i mean that also might just be because it looks like the most generic thing i've ever seen which <laughs> just is, esports car dot jpeg exactly which is, i mean it looks like it, it looks like any car from rocket league so i mean yeah. that maybe it's from rocket who, who knows <laughs> um, but yeah speaking to the edginess i don't know i never got the feeling that the sonic racing games were were edgy or edgier than Mario Kart. I mean, like, yeah, Nintendo's got their kind of, like, childish, Pixar-y aesthetic. I don't really know what you call that. And Sega doesn't, has never really played on that. But at the same time, I don't know. There was something very, like, it was, to me, I guess part of the problem with the Sonic Racing games is they were devoid of personality. Yeah. I don't know, just something something about like the presentation and the menus, and maybe because the game was trying to be so many different things at once with all the Sega properties, it just didn't seem like there was personality there, whereas like you play a game like Mario Kart, it's like, yeah, maybe we don't like that aesthetic much, but it is definitively Mario. Definitely. You know exactly what you're looking at. So. And that's actually a good point as well, because if you look at the inclusions of Zelda, Legend of Zelda and the Mario Kart series... If it was Sega doing that type of thing, they'd probably have put the Twilight Princess kind of aesthetic in without even caring what else was in the game. But with Nintendo, they went with a... It's kind of hard to explain in the Hyrule in that game, but it looks like a Mario a Mario Kart track. But I get what you mean about uh, Sonic being devoid of personality, because every single track seemed to, to not mesh well together. So you'd have one track that looked like a Sonic level, but then you could move on to something from like Jet Set Radio and it almost looked like something from a different game. Yeah, I think it's also, for me, it's also like, even though I'm like a lifelong Sega fan, there are characters in that game. It's like you're just you're just scraping the bottom of the barrel because yeah. you need to fill the you need to fill this game with characters. And and you're not Nintendo, so you don't have the rich history of characters that people are at least gonna remember, you know? So you end up getting like just these completely different, like, off-the-wall, like, like imagine Knights or Riala or whatever, like, those crazy-looking characters, um, which, I mean, this is a racing game podcast, I'm quickly realizing, so, like, nobody's going to be able to do that, but that's <laughs> besides the point. And then imagine, like, Ryo Hazuki, you know, just, like, a guy, like, <laughs> next to each other. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, f- I find it funny that's the two examples you go for when Danica Patrick is literally... <laughs> yeah, and, and then there's Danica Patrick, yeah. Well, I forget about the Danica Patrick thing. I mean, there was also Wreck-It Ralph. Oh, there was Wreck-It Ralph, yeah. And I believe the PC got some DLC that included Yogg's cast as well. <laughs> oh, man. And Football Manager, which is a funny addition, I imagine, for PC players. Oh, I didn't know about that. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah, it's just a guy in a suit, basically. It's it's pretty funny. Oh, that's amazing. I have to look that up. 
Yeah, definitely. It, it it needs to be seen to be believed. I think the Team Fortress 2 characters as well. Jesus Christ, this is it. too much. This is too yeah, much. Yeah, the, the like PC no, version of the game is no crazy. There's no connection to anything. I mean, these could so, just be mods. It's pretty much what they were when you think about <laughs> it. <laughs> ah, well, I, I am very excited to see uh, and hear more about this game. Oh, definitely. Yeah, uh, but fortunately, this past week... Uh, finally saw a release of Burnout Paradise, so at least that's a new arcade racer that we can all uh, get behind. Burnout Paradise Remastered, that is. And, yeah, I mean, impressions, I've been playing it, and uh, the only thing I can imagine is that, like, if I had a gaming PC with Burnout Paradise, I would not spend money on this. It... <laughs> but it's great on the PS4, because that's all I have. Yeah, I mean... Let's be frank here, it's literally just Burnout Paradise again. I I didn't expect much, but just small things like maybe tweaking the HUD a little bit, making the minimap not as fucking terrible <laughs> as it has yeah, always been. Yeah. Um, and just in general, it, it seems like, not doubting the effort put into the remaster, but it just feels like it was a case of let's get this game on these consoles, and that's what their aim was. I think it's a bad sign when everybody's discussing if there's been any graphical changes and you need to resort to like a digital foundry video to prove that something has changed. It should be obvious just by looking at it. And I mean, I reviewed the game for GT Planet and I was playing the 360 version in tandem and there was a good 30 minutes where I thought I was playing the remaster. <laughs> and I was actually playing <laughs> the 360 great. version. And That's what you want. It's one of these things where people on Xbox are going to have to be huge Burnout fans to pick this up because much like the gaming PC example you use, they gave away Burnout Paradise for free not that long ago with games with gold and it is available there and on the backwards compatibility, sorry. So Yeah, I, I guess what I was thinking was that like, well on the PS4 there's no way you could play the original Paradise. On the Xbox you can, but it's, I mean it's still probably capped at like 720p or something, right? Yeah, that's correct. So the resolution bump is a, a positive, but the fact that it didn't seem to get um, complemented with much anti-aliasing makes it a bit uh. a null point. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't expect anything more. I, it would be a cheek for me to complain about this because I'd been crying out for it for so long, and I've already put twelve hours into it this week. <laughs> so yeah. like, I, I enjoy Burnout Paradise. I'll enjoy it again. But I mean, it's one of these ones where. EA are asking for quite a hefty sum for what is essentially a, a basic remaster. It's well, it would be very un-EA like for them to not do that. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they can get this money, they know for sure. And if we're going to be honest, there's a lot of game in here, especially with the DLC. Oh, I mean, the, the one reason why people with a PC might consider it when it comes out on that platform is the inclusion of Big Surf Island, which never came to the PC. Oh, so the Ultimate Box didn't even have that on PC? Nope. It, wow. This will be okay. Big Surf Island's debut on the platform. Hmm. That's interesting. I never played Big Surf Island, so I was I was very confused as to how I even find it until I realized <laughs> it was all the way at the right side of the map and you could only access it from the one bridge. And I was like, okay. But, yeah, I mean, it, to be clear, like, I the game is still a blast. It's Burnout Paradise. And, like, the remaster, although they didn't really add anything... It runs flawlessly, and it yes, looks it, it looks like the original game. But I mean, I'm playing on PS4, and, and it's 1080p, so it's the original game. You know, a couple more visual little tweaks here and there. You know, extra sparks, extra smoke when you're 
doing yeah. power slides and stuff like that. Um, frame rates rock solid, 1080p. If you have one of the 4K consoles, it's 4K, you know. So, yeah, I mean, it's fine. Like, it, it runs absolutely smoothly and great. It's just that, like, there's... It's it's amazing how little change from just, like, a logistical kind of interface UI standpoint to me because, like, the old game, there's just something so outdated yeah. about the way it runs. <laughs> and this is kind of the same thing. Like, the fact that... It, it just seems weird to me, like, when you start the game, it's like, enter Paradise City. Like, that <laughs> in of itself is like is, like, a menu prompt you could completely get rid of. And then, like, there are just little things, like, I don't know, just, like, the menus were never quick in that game. Like, when you're when you're cycling through your cars and you have to wait for every single one to drop. Oh, man. You know, that's <laughs> annoying. When you start the game for the first time and you have to sit through that, that video <sighs> explaining to you everything that you could figure out yourself. And then, you know, get your license and everything, like, that still takes forever. Like, I don't know. There are certain things they could have done to streamline the process, freshen it up, make it look new and nice. They didn't do those things because I imagine it was such a struggle to get EA to even agree to this. Like, yep. whoever wanted to do this, whoever had this idea, and, you know, it's been 10 years. Like, the fact that it took them this long to put this game on uh, new gen consoles or current gen consoles is crazy as it is. I don't even think, like, this is leading up to like a new burnout. I just no, think no. that finally they got it out the door. Finally, they agreed. Like somebody let them sign off on it. So, yeah, I think I, I totally agree there. Um, I think it is just a case of this is a remaster people have asked for, and we we got it done. And like you're saying, there's so many quality of life changes that would have made the whole experience a lot better. Like for example, when you're at a burning route. You're not in the right car. You've still got to go and find a junkyard yeah. to change your car, so drive back. Yeah, and it's like I mean, would it have been? Would it have broke the game that much if you could turn up at, a, at one of these events that require a certain car, and it just automatically changes it? And the whole dropping from the sky in the junkyard thing—I've actually got a, a funny story about that. Like, um, my girlfriend Danielle has never actually played Burnout Paradise before. And, like, obviously she doesn't know any of the cars or that type of thing. Oh, she doesn't and know about the Hunter Cavalry? I know. I nearly dumped her right on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, I mean, just for clarification, when you put up the game at first, you've still got to unlock the cars as normal, but all the DLC is just there waiting to yeah, be used, yeah. basically. So you can go to the cop car section and basically get every car right from the start. And um, she wanted to see what cars were there. But that whole cycle of the car dropping from the sky every time you oh. want to look at a different vehicle, she literally just clicked the home button and went off the game and said, <laughs> that was giving me a sore head just watching that car thump down with that loud sound effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine, like, in my apartment, like, my roommates were above me just, like, every every five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Just, like, the cadence of waiting for the car to drop, the car drops. I get to move to the next car, waiting for it. Just, yeah, it it it's one of those things. That it's it's so like quintessentially two thousand eight. It's yeah. like exactly what would have been cool. <laughs> like how awesome would it be if we made this really simple menu that serves a really simple purpose, take as long as possible, and be as elaborate, like way more elaborate than it needs to be. Yeah, you're right, and I think that is it because. When you shut the car down for the first time, you go to the junkyard and see it fall from the sky, fair enough. Maybe that is a cool effect. 
But there's no reason for it to keep doing that every time you join the junkyard and have to watch those cars fall. And the worst thing is you can't even like scroll to a car and click on it. The game makes you wait to see the car fall from the sky. <laughs> so Well what I love is when like you start the game, um I I guess like because in the beginning like you get your first car or whatever and then like I think I I don't know what happened I guess like I beat a couple of events which led to me getting a few cars and I was so worried like although it was only the cars I had just unlocked in that play in that session I was so worried it was gonna make me sit through every DLC car <laughs> oh, same really I was yeah. like I'm I'm gonna be here for like an hour <laughs> <laughs> I think it's cause it does it for the bikes. When you when you go to the junkyard yes, for yeah, the yeah, first the time, bikes, I, right, I yeah. just had the same Vietnam style flashback. I thought that I was literally going to be sat there <laughs> for a good fifteen minutes watching these cars drop from the sky, but thankfully not. I love Burnout Paradise, but not that much. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's it's a good port. Uh, you know, I hope I hope this is a sign of something. I do think it's interesting that uh, after all of the downsizing that Criterion has had. Uh, this port was actually handled by Seller Entertainment, which I learned is a studio that I guess was run or, or started partially by ex-Criterion employees yes. and people who worked on Burnout games. So it's good that, that they got the job. Um, you know, it's fitting fitting home for this franchise, or uh, you know, at least for this remaster. Yep. And I am happy that the whole soundtrack's there in full. Uh, I did quickly realize that, like, the Burnout Paradise soundtrack is not my favorite in the franchise, so I just made my own Spotify playlist, which is, I guess, really what it means to be playing a game in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> it's like these developers or publishers rather go to all the trouble of getting all these songs that you miss, and then you decide that you don't like it much anyway, and you make your own Spotify playlist. I think that's the thing as well. There'll be just about 90% of people play the game that do that, but we're the same people that would have complained if it wasn't in, in the first place. Exactly. So. Of course, right, right. Be because you know what... <coughs> oh, Jesus, excuse me. You know what it is? It's just like a principle thing. It's just like we want to we wanna know that EA flashed their cash and, uh, you know, got us that soundtrack just because they're EA and they should because they have enough money and they can. But then we won't actually Yeah, exactly. Because so. even um, EA's made a, a playlist on Spotify themselves for Burnout Paradise that's got all the songs there so they literally could have just said listen we didn't get the soundtrack but here it is on Spotify but we still would have complained sure sure that's Burnout Paradise um that's about all I got to say about it I think I will play through basically the whole game I mean I it took me I feel like it took me a really long time to do it back in 2009 so um, I feel like I will actually play through it completely this time because there's nothing else. Like I've been playing GT Sport, but like that's starting to fade as I just, you know, as sport races don't really, they get more and more grading and frustrating, and they keep changing the algorithms and shit. And I just, oh, the I'm new just penalty system! Jeez. <sighs> Brutal. <laughs> so, so yeah, I need I need something like Burnout Paradise. A good time for the coming our lives. Also, uh, the one thing that we we were chatting about before the show that is a big deal especially to Brendan I know is that Criterion <laughs> has a new logo yay yeah uh, this was yeah. your personal crusade where um if you going back because when when did they uh, reveal the previous logo it was like the fall right 
Yeah, it was to coincide with the release of um, Star Wars Battlefront 2 because they, they did help with that and the VR stuff in that game and that's when they showed off that really Which was the word bubble. criterion in a in a box, in yeah. an outlined box. Very original. Yeah, it was basically <laughs> the same font that they've always had. Um yeah, but in, in this box. And now they've completely replaced it with like it's got colors and like it's kinda like it's got it's like got this form where it just kinda like it's this long like almost like script because every layer is connected and it's a rainbow. It it, it looks intense and it looks I mean whether or not like you like it or I mean it's a it's a logo, who cares? I mean I think it looks fine. Yeah. I just hope that it means something more. Like I'm reading into it like, you know, is this the rebirth of Criterion? Like they felt like it was time to rebrand. Like what does this mean? But it probably doesn't mean anything. No, I mean <laughs> on their Twitter account uh, they've got a banner image with a new logo there and it includes Battlefield and Battlefront as you would expect but they've got the car from uh, Hot Pursuit as well from Need mm. for Speed which is pretty intriguing because as far as I know they haven't worked on a Need for Speed game since the 2015 no Sorry, because a lot of their the a lot of their but... staff went to Ghost yeah exactly so I'm not sure they're just putting out there to show that we did make games at one point <laughs> well it's so sad when you look at their bio it's like proud to have bought gamers you know black burnout need for speed need for speed and Star Wars Battlefront you know it's just it's so sad that like that's what their bio is is like proud to have done these things in the past that we're not doing anymore yeah you I know? need to and, see and the, the most recent thing that you could point to in that list that they did all themselves, you know, without anyone else's involvement, was Need for Speed Most Wanted. Yeah. You know, and that's that's a six-year-old game. It's just staggering to me how how far they've just completely fallen out of relevancy at EA. And, yeah, I mean, we've talked about that, I feel like, already several times. Yeah, exactly. We shouldn't. Uh, go down that route again, but I just want to bring up how uh, disgusted I am they didn't mention Airblade in that Twitter bio. <laughs> uh, I never played Airblade. It was one of the most like, needlessly difficult video games I think I've ever played. Uh, but it was still pretty fun. I'm just looking it up now. I didn't know that it actually got a spiritual success. Oh, it is a spiritual successor to the Dreamcast game, Trick Style. don't know if you've ever played that either. Oh yeah, so I have this weird uh, love-hate relationship with Trick Style and that I loved it when I was a kid and I hate it now because they recently <laughs> they recently remastered it and re-released it on PC and it's just not it, it has not aged well but at the time it was like the coolest game in the world I didn't know that's what that was because yeah because Criterion did work on Trick Style which I completely forgot about yeah that's interesting that a Criterion game back when they had like the dog logo yeah I'm just looking at the case for Airblade and it's got the old dog logo right there and yeah I've that was one of those games where I didn't think I'd enjoy it, but it was actually pretty decent. But yeah, I'm not too happy about that not being on the Twitter bio, so I need to fire them a tweet. <laughs> yeah, you should. You should bleed what's left of uh, Criterion Soul with a little bit, <laughs> little bit negative negativity that I'm sure they they could use right now after all the Star Wars crap. Oh yeah, it must just become a an unidentifiable mush at some points during the development process, but it's like so. What sky are we making now? <laughs> what ship is this? <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna try and bring it back up here at time extend with the last news item, which is that V Rally's back! Yay! 
Who, who asks for this? <laughs> I don't know. And, like, it's so weird because there are definitely people I've seen on Twitter who are excited about this. <laughs> I don't think they're real humans, though. I think they're just planted by Kyloton or somebody. I don't know. It's it's just so weird. But, yeah, V-Rally 4. Um, one of the, I guess, the lead, uh, the, the director on the game was a programmer on V-Rally 3. So, like, yes. he published this, like, I mean, there was, like, a press release. I think he, like, he wrote something for a PlayStation blog or something. This heartfelt story about V-Rally and how much V-Rally means to him and how he's happy to take V-Rally into the next, next generation because it's been, like, 15 years since it was a thing. <laughs> And it's just amazing to me that, like, people care this much. Like, when I saw the name back, I was like, all right, that's interesting. When I saw it was Kyloton, I was like, okay, I've never played any of the new WRC games. I know you like them, Brendan. So I'm like, all right, that's fine. But, like, how is this going to be different than WRC? Like, you just... Which which then begs the question, like, okay, what happens to WRC? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> to, to talk about your first point, I can't believe there are V-Rally fans out there. I mean, I... I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to make fun of those people. It's just like, of all the games that I I longed for and wished we'd get a sequel, or just in Burnout's case a remaster. I, I've never. I totally forgot V Rally was actually a thing until this announcement. Um, and yeah, if it's Kyloton developing it, then I guess. I mean, you would assume that the WRC license is headed somewhere else, or it's just been cuffed at this point because. It seems a bit counterintuitive to let a development team create an official game for the motorsport series, but also a much wider in scope racing rally game that would cannibalize itself in the exact same release month, September, by the looks of it. Yeah, I mean the thing is that like Milestone makes like ninety racing games, which is <laughs> weird. So I'm not yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if like Kylo Tom was like, hey, we have this off-road racing engine, let's make WRC and then let's, you know, double up our investment by, you know, killing two birds with one stone, making V-Rally on the side. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything really about the studio, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a brilliant decision on their part. Cause it's like, you can just grab this name, which like who, like who was its rights holder? Like who owned yeah, the V-Rally name? Like yeah. Atari slash infogrames. Like, I don't even know if they were a thing anymore. And that's where the series was last. So I, I have no idea where they could have plucked this from, but I mean, good on them. Like, it definitely, definitely speaks to their fan base. So yeah, apparently so. I mean, with the the Atari point, I believe they're still going at the moment with terrible roller coaster tycoon games. <laughs> but um, I think it's kind of confusing where it isn't the exact same holding company before. So maybe they lost the license, and then whoever was the temporary holder, Kyloton, for. Who's the publisher for this one, actually? Big Ben. It's Big Ben. Big Ben, okay, right. So maybe they've approached whoever was the holder of the, the rights and said, let's bring it back. <laughs> let's bring V-Rally back. I mean, the reason why we would actually care about this, um, Brendan, you and I especially, is because there will be a, sw a Switch port, which is a big deal. This is like a, a coming full circle moment for me because I'm sitting here looking at a GBA copy of V-Rally 3. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so gba that's how far back you have to go yeah and that is going to be a weird experience for me then because that is the only experience of v-rally 3 that i actually had i didn't play it on any of really 
home console mm-hmm. platforms because I was playing that and the Sega Rally port on GBA kind of in tandem that way, way back. a weird port, but yeah. 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 So it's kind of funny that it got a Switch port purely for that reason alone for me because it's like, you don't expect a Switch port and the game getting a Switch port is actually a sequel to a game I played back in like 2002 <laughs> on a Nintendo platform. Yeah, my feeling on V-Rally, like, I, I think I summed it up as well as I possibly could in my tweet after I saw the announcement, which is, oh good, the third best rally <laughs> franchise of its generation is has back, you know, to to wow us all. And, like, you know, I, I, I hate to be, like, salty and stuff, especially when, like, racing games are not, like, you know, there are a lot of racing games today, but I feel like the budgets are smaller than ever, yeah. <laughs> um, relatively speaking. So, you know, I'm not, I, I don't have a problem with V-Rally coming back, but it's like, I think about V-Rally in the past, it's like, okay, there was the first game, which in the US was like, had this weird Need for Speed branding, which is very yeah. strange. And I think I played that when I was, I, I must, I must play that a couple times when I was really young. Um, then there was V-Rally 2, which I think also got Need for Speed branding, but I played on the Dreamcast where it was just V-Rally, I think it was Test Drive V-Rally or something like that. Right. So it's weird that it jumped from Need for Speed to Test Drive <laughs> when when they just had to attach it in the in the American market because a rally game is going to flounder. They just had to attach it to a bigger name. Um, v Rally Two was like, it's weird when you go back and read reviews of like or just lists of the best Dreamcast racing games. V Rally Two I did not like, but everyone else seemed to like it. Like it had this it had this relatively sophisticated track editor. But, like, everything else, like, the handling was weird, and, like, the graphics were some of the worst I ever saw on the console. Like, the car models are, they honestly look like dog shit, and I'm sorry to say that, <laughs> but they just, they look really bad. Um, and then there was V-Rally 3, which I played on the Xbox, and all I can remember about that was it had a really cool car select screen. It had this, like, really cool song, and, like, you could press a button and explode, like, all the panels. That's that's the best thing I could say about that game because yeah. the rest of it is yeah it's like in a world of Rally Sport Challenge and Colin McRae and a couple of years later like Sega Rally Revo like why would I play this game you know it's it's fine but and then you had the WRC games on the PS2 so it's like uh, it was just neither here nor there and I wanted to love it but it wasn't great so the fact that anyone could really miss Re Rally that much. That, that's where I'm coming from when I say I don't get it. Even more so when it's combined with a, a team that are still relatively untested. Like, I, yeah. I enjoyed the WRC game last year, and apparently TT Isle of Man is pretty decent as well. But it's not as if it's a 100% record either, because I'm pretty sure Kyloton's worked on a few stinkers as well. None that I can think of off the top of my head, but... I mean, it's not as if V-Rally's coming back with a premium development studio. This is still up, like, up in arms in terms of like how excited can you really be? Because from the teaser trailer, it looked like every Rally game ever made. Because <laughs> they all go for the exact same style. And um, yeah, there, there's not much to go on right now. So I think though those people who are rejoicing at the return of V-Rally, they might get their wish and get a perfectly average for best Rally game. <laughs> but... Um, We'll, we'll see how it develops and the Nintendo Switch port is an interesting an interesting thing for me because well obviously I'm going to try it on the platform but also it means that maybe we're going to start seeing some racing games over there because it's really getting to the point now where no developers can really afford to try and not get something on the platform while it's still thriving like this 
Yeah, and it, it reminds me of Sebastian Loeb Rally Evo because I, I think I played that game and I hated it because I played the demo and something about it just didn't stick with me. But I know there are a lot of people that love that game or that really yeah. liked it. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. It comes out in September, so we don't have to wait too long. No, I imagine we'll get a gameplay of Wilson as well. Yeah, I do want to, just one one complaint. I mean, everything I've been saying about V-Rally, like, you can take it or leave it. If you're a member of Kyloton and you're by some amazing miracle listening to our podcast, <laughs> it's fine. Make your game. Go do it. You know, maybe I'll really like it and you guys are cool, whatever. But this is a problem. This is a huge problem. You cannot have a mode in your game called Extreme Kana. <laughs> Like, that's a bad thing. Like, everything else is fine, but that's terrible. And you need to not do that and stop that. And think about yourself and think about how stupid that sounds. There's also a... Because that's really bad. V-Rally Cross. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's stupid too. But, like, Extreme Kana, like... You took Jim Kana and then you you replaced the word (laughs) Jim, I guess. You put in another word. Like, there's no... That's not like V Rally Cross. At least it's like, oh, Rally Rally Cross, but the name of the game is V Rally. Yeah. You know, that's a really quick like joke we can make. Like, there's no joke in Extreme Kana. There's no like, there's no pun. <laughs> there's no cleverness. And how can make Jim Kana more extreme? I mean, I'm pretty sure Ken Block would take exception to this. <laughs> I think Ken Block has done it for you. Yeah, yeah that is strange because it's not as if Jim Kana is um, trademarked or anything. No, it's, no, it's no. It's literally just the just... term for that type of driving. So. I want to know what makes it extreme now. Why have you brought that up, Adam? I'm really tempted now to see what we get. <laughs> that that's gotta go. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Kyloton, that's gotta go. Yeah, so that is our news section. And we are gonna take a quick break and talk a lot more about rally games. <laughs> <laughs> it's a running trend in each episode. We always seem to be able to bring up rally games. Yeah. But there could be a reason behind that, and that's what we'll discuss after the break. back and today our featured topic is just going to be about how there are too many rally games (laughs) and we made a list uh to run through all of the ones that have either come out in the last year or will come out and and so on and yeah you got you got dirt four gravel wrc nv rally from kyloton so you know we don't know what the save wrc is but there's that yeah. Uh, the car, which is coming out from Big Moon Studios, um, which sounds a lot like Big Ben, which confused me as I was putting this list together. 
Onrush again from Codemasters, and then you brought up, Brendan, a game I completely forgot existed in the first place, let alone came out so long ago, the re-release of Baja Edge of Control at the end of last year. That, that's a lot of rally games. It's, it's quite a lot, especially when you consider how many of these are not quite full sims, but more vested in the arcade side of things. Um, yeah, that's it, a good point. Yeah. Because it's it's not like people wouldn't, you know, in this space, in the already niche space of rally games, wouldn't want that. You know, there wouldn't be kind of a clamoring for something something new, like a a new Richard Burns rally or something like that. Something to take up at least that end of the spectrum. It just doesn't exist. I mean, there's like... What, there's like Rallycross and iRacing now, right? Yes, that's, correct. That's pretty real, I guess. You know, in the grand scheme of things, iRacing is considered a, a pretty accurate sim. There's also Rallycross in uh, Project Cars 2. So, it's almost... Maybe it's not even just a problem of too many rally games, but it's just that these features are... Th- th- this this discipline is bleeding over, or these disciplines, rather, are bleeding over into lots of different games, which is fine, but, like, I don't know. Many of them just kind of do a half-assed job of it. Yeah, I think that's my biggest issue with it as well. There's not enough rally games coming out that are actually substantial enough to make an impact. Like, no offence to like Milestone here when I use this example, but, like, Gravel will come out last month, and then that'll probably be as much as we'll hear about it. Like, I don't I don't see it making an impact, not because of the slightly generic game, but just because it's a, a passable off-road racer. And I think that's the problem. A lot of these games are going down that route. Like, we've talked before about different thoughts and feelings on Dirt 4, but, like, in terms of how that title has lasted the test of time compared to previous entries, there's not many people playing Dirt at all anymore compared to the way like, Dirt 3 and stuff is still looked at fondly and yeah, it goes on and on, the WRC games are too limited in scope so outside of the people who are dedicated to buying rally games that, that won't make an impact either and I think that's the problem, we're not really seeing a trailblazer actually grab a large audience and keep them entertained, we're seeing these smaller titles come out every so often that get a little bit of hype generated but then fade away for the next one to come along yeah, none of these games really have staying power. I mean, like, Dirt Rally was such a, a focused title, but I think it got a lot of people's attention. Yeah, it did. Um, yeah. Just because of how punishingly, you know, the dark souls of blah, 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 <laughs> you know, all of that. But it did actually work for Codemasters, and they parlayed that into Dirt 4, which has none of the staying power and... I don't know, just, just from its kind of, like, conflicted design direction with your stage and everything, it just, it's not, didn't seem to be really what what fans wanted in terms of a more fleshed out, you know, something along the lines of a Dirt 3, but maybe more realistic. It didn't really do that. And I, I like Dirt 4, and I, I think Codemasters, they're always, like, they're, they're, rally games i think they own the genre but i don't think they necessarily have to own the genre if somebody else can step up and yes that's kind of the problem is that you're getting a lot of these studios that specialize in racing games like milestone and Coliton and whatnot but because they specialize in racing games they have like infinitesimally small budgets and can't really make a project that has that kind of like triple a or, or even, like, double-A, like, <laughs> polish to it. They just can't. Like, I... 
you know, and that's why I don't play their games, and I'm sorry, but that's why these games tend to get passed over, at least for me, like, because when I, when I think about the glut of rally games today, there were a lot of rally games in the past too, but they were all, I mean, at least to me, they all, it all seemed like they were distinctive, and, you know, like, you had Rally Sport Challenge, like, if I go back to, like, the mid, early mid-2000s, it's like Rally Sport Challenge, there were a couple Sega Rally games many years in between, Colin McRae, um, there was, I mean, we talked, we had this show, it was our first, it was our first episode, right? We talked about, like, Shocks and, like, Rally yeah. Fusion, all these very different games that came from, like, high-profile studios and, uh, high-profile publishers, and it just, it's, because I guess racing games just kind of fizzled out in general, like, there are a lot of racing games, but they don't have the money behind them, and I think that's part of the problem when you talk about something as niche as Rally. Yeah, exactly, and... You bring up the money point, which is fair, because even the big hitters these days, like Forza Motorsport, are struggling in US markets to keep an audience entertained. So what what would be the benefit, really, of breaking the bank to make a new V-Rally, for example, with so much of Kyloton's resources, if you know it's going to follow the same cycle of when it comes out that month, it'll get most of its sales, and then maybe 5% of its lifetime will follow that initial 95% the first month. And... It's just, it's a bit aggravating because there's so many of these off-road games now that get announced that I think in my head, like, I would love to be on board with that, but I just don't see anything that makes it distinctive enough. Yeah. I guess that's where Onrush comes in because that's on the total other end of the spectrum where it's um, an arcade, purely arcade racer made by guys with experience in making the Motorstorm series. And um, they're taking a slightly different approach and pre-release by the looks of it where they're really limiting anything we can see from the game and that worries me once again because I wonder if this is going to be a nice concept wrapped in a small amount of content that isn't really interesting enough to keep hype generated and that's what worries me the most in regards to Onrush since that's the nearest upcoming racing game rally game, sorry You know, in the last uh, episode we talked a little bit about the unreleased uh, Criterion project from all those years ago and when I look at Onrush, that's kind of what I, I... I kind of think the exact same thing. And obviously we only saw, like, a teaser trailer of that of that Criterion game forever ago. But it did have kind of, like, the same, like, oh, you know, all these different kinds of vehicles and you're launching off stuff and it's crazy, it's arcadey, it's fun, off-road. Um, and I guess there's nothing in that space, really, since Motherstorm hasn't been a thing for so long. It just seems kind of vague. I... I and, and the fact that we haven't seen anything about it is is concerning. I mean, if this game, if if Evolution was going to go on, you know, to work, to be absorbed by another company or work with another publisher or whatever, like, I'd want it to be Codemasters. I, I, think, I think Codemasters is kind of, like, the shining light in all of this and that, like, they, they do the most with what they have, it seems. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I mean, I haven't been very instilled with confidence since Dirt 4 kind of got dropped. Like, Dirt 4 could have been something great post-release, but they, they completely just dropped the ball on that one. I hope the same thing doesn't happen on Rush. Well, I mean, this seems to be the Codemaster cycle, because um, I know it's not related to rally games, but with Micro Machines World Series, that game was brought out, and it didn't get very much acclaim. The fans who bought it weren't very happy with the way it was set up, and they didn't make any effort to actually... Well, sorry, that's a bad word. Um, they didn't make any um, 
key motivation to change the game and make it better. And it's the same with Dark 4. When people got it, they were like, this is really cool, but is there any chance of maybe getting some real tracks in there as well? That never materialised. Like cars, that type of thing. Nothing. It's just like, it was brought out, dropped, and moved to the next title. And you said with Onrush, everything looks very vague right now. And the thing that kind of troubles me about that is that it's an intentional vagueness. Because I don't know if you follow the account on Twitter, but they're always hyping up these announcements like, oh, stay tuned this week, we've got some news, I've got some gameplay footage, which turned out to be 25 seconds of behind-the-scenes footage from the trailer, <laughs> and uh, they had a, a closed press release, sorry, a press event this week, um, so people got to go hands-on, so I imagine next week we'll find out how that went. But it's this kind of generating hype for something that hasn't done enough to have hype behind it in the first place. I think the, the moment Codemasters need to convince people that Onrush is worth buying, and it seems like the it seems like they already think that part's done. And that's worrying because I think Onrush could release in June to little to no fanfare, really, if we think about it. Yeah, I mean, this is a case where, like, it, if things continue as they have, the writing's on the wall. Like, you have a new IP. It is from an accomplished studio and a publisher that we know treats racing games well, but, you know, has, as of late, kind of dropped the ball when it comes to post-release content. And this whole thing could just fizzle out into nothing. And it would be a shame because, like, I I love Evolution Studios products. I love things that they've made over the years. Drive Club was probably my favorite game of theirs. And to go from that to this, get picked up by Codemasters, I mean, that's a huge, that was a huge win for a studio as far as, like, where else were they going to end up? So that yes. was great after being, you know, made redundant by Sony and whatnot. And then... Yeah, so so I really I do I do wish the world for this game. Uh, to bring it back to rally games specifically, I guess the one thing that that I wanted to approach is just like it's easy for us to say that these are all the same and everything's the same and we're boring, <laughs> um, and and they're boring and we're old men and whatever. But like I don't know. I guess if we could if we could like talk about what we really want from a rally game, like what is it that these games aren't doing? You know, what's kind of like our checklists of features or things that we want. I don't know. I mean, like, I guess for me, like, Dirt 4 got a lot of the way there, but, like, the Your Stage your stage stuff didn't work out particularly well. I think I was fine with it in the beginning, but as I played the game more, I kind of soured on it. Yes. Um, I like I like the team-building aspects. That was but, good, yeah. Yeah, that was good. So I want to see more of that. You know, I want to see that expanded upon. And I think just, like, it is... I guess it's kind of lame to say this, but just more content. Like, when I think about, like, Rally Sport Challenge and um, and Colin McRae over the years, like, kind of, I guess, you can include Dirt, like, 3 and Dirt 2, but really I'm talking about, like, Colin McRae 3, 4, and 5. Like, those games were absolutely just overflowing. Nah, not so much 3. 4 and 5. Those games were overflowing yeah. with content. Like, all these stages and, and the diverse cast of, of cars and I guess the car thing really isn't a problem I think really it is just kind of constrained by like stages and environments it's the one thing that I think compared to any other racing game you need more of in a rally game because of the nature of the sport and how you want that unpredictability and it's something that I think a lot of games have kind of dropped the ball on yeah I would say that that is a good point and funnily enough I think that unpredictability aspect would have driven your stage in Dirt 4 because they wanted to have that, you don't know what you'll be up against. But the problem is the technology wasn't expanded enough to, 
to suit that that yeah. ideal because you didn't know what was going to happen after five or so hours of playing, and um, that kind of brings me to my point about what I want to see in these rally games, and that's good track design or stage design seems to be a dying art in these yeah. um, quick fire off road games we're getting, and it wasn't until I played WRC recently that I realised just how boring and bland stage design has gotten in general for off-road racing games because when you look at these real uh, like stages that people take on in the WRC it's mind-blowing how technical they are and how much the, the, the actual track width changes and it isn't all just regular hairpins, you'll get fra- more, like Frankenstein creation half S-bend into a 90 degree <laughs> angle turn and it's these type of things that really make the game worth playing. And that's why I still play WRC 7, even this many months after release, when I would have dropped most rally games by now. And that doesn't mean getting the licenses for the official tracks, just don't be afraid to rock the boat with ridiculous track track designs, basically. I think that's what I'm, I'm hoping for. I want the personality aspect yeah. we talked about. I think it starts with not only the car roster, but also the tracks that you drive on. And even when it comes to like rally cross tracks, I know they aren't very exciting even in real life, but I mean, with something like Gravel, you've got that um, creative license to do something different. And like, they had a really cool uh, like uh, track that take place in a dam in that game, and it looked amazing. But then when I seen the the other tracks, it's just the usual like, oh, it's a tropical environment, <laughs> drive around palm trees, like, that type of thing. Famous tropical environment. Yeah, right. it's never been done before, believe it or not. So. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, and then the, the final point would also be, it's a bit of a controversial one, but even just art style, like realism is great, but we've got so much of it these days when it comes to the racing genre, not just in rally games, that maybe. I mean, an auto-modelista type look, do you know what I mean? Like, that kind of cel-shaded ridiculousness (laughs) can actually be exciting. Something distinctive, you know? I mean, that's that's why all the Modelista was, like, loved so much when it was announced and then quickly dropped after people realized that there wasn't much there underneath that. I mean, I wasn't one of those people. I think it's a fine game, but many people didn't like it. But yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking about with shocks too. Just, like, it was just... That game, too, was just so strange and just, like, took rally racing in the direction that, like, only could have come out of, like, EA Sports big in the early 2000s. Something different outside of just this constant, like, I hate it when people use this term, but, like, Simcade rallying. I'm sorry, it's just, like, the only thing that came to mind. You know, something that's, like, kind of halfway between one end of the spectrum and the other, off-road, with the same cars and these kind of nondescript tracks. Again, like, I appreciate your stage in Dirt 4, because, like, you know, we're talking about unpredictability, and yes, that is a way you can you can fix unpredictability, Yeah. except that the, the stages, they were unpredictable, but they weren't interesting. I mean, when you, when you leave things up to a random section generator, basically, where you're stringing together different sections of track, like, of course you can't kind of design it with the same level attention to detail, and everything's going through, you know, randomization, it's it's all the parts have to have to work together well enough they have to you can't have that kind of dynamic intricate track design you can have in other places and i think i mean when i think of the games that have done track design that just racing games in general have done track design the best over the years part of the reason it's like maybe my my favorite or second favorite racing game this generation as i know a lot of people don't agree with but drive club 
it was the track design. Like yeah. Drive Club's track design is unbelievable, it's and fantastic. that's that's the thing that gives me faith in Evolution Studios. You know, on Onrush now. Yeah, and I think that that is it's a faith well founded because Drive Club's track design is amazing. Like, I, I I think I loved every single one of the Norway tracks in particular because it nailed that cold environment, and that's a really weird thing to try and describe. But just like the way the tracks looked combined with the lighting engine was mm. just fantastic. And it was the same if you went to India or whatever as well. Every track felt distinctive enough. And that that is the difference. Yeah. Every tra- every track felt completely different. And like the graphics, I think, helped it a lot too. But the weather effects, like when you describe the cold environment, like when you're driving through one of like the Norway tracks or something like that, and you've got the snow on full blast and time change or whatever and it's midnight like that's that's an amazing feeling that no game has captured you know i think forza horizon has gotten close with with its weather effects but still like it's it's not quite there yet no and that's something that could translate so well to a rally game that kind of just absolutely just beautiful like exotic just this track design that makes you think like you know it came it's like it's like watching Planet Earth or something like that mixed with a racing <laughs> yeah. game. Like that's what you want from a rally game, especially. So, I would love to see that same kind of, you know, ambition extended to rally games. But you know, that was a Sony first-party product. That's what you can do with that backing. Yeah, but it, even taking away what made Drive Club special and just looking at why it was special, it's that kind of distinction where. They decided, look, we're going to go all out with these weather effects, so you'll have to wait a while to get them when the game releases, but it'll be worth it. And that's the kind of thing I want to see extended to rally games, where it's like, you know what, this is going to be the rally game with insanely good track design, or this is going to be the rally game that has a distinct art style and wears it on its sleeve and isn't like isn't afraid to show a bit of originality. And like, I know we, we talked in the previous podcast about how Sega Rally and Evo had that kind of weird problem where you could tell it wanted to be kind of cartoony almost, but they really just kind of increased the saturation and left it at that. <laughs> and that's the thing, if you're going to go all in, go all in. Like, I don't know if you've seen this, but Gravel has these weird FMV um, video sequences in between races because there's like five masters of each discipline, you know, the idea that's been done to death. <laughs> and okay. Oh, like, okay. um, it's the blacklist all over again. All right. Yeah, that's it, exactly. And it's like, I've seen some reviews saying stuff like, oh, it's cool that they, they tried to make it distinctive, and it's like, they didn't really, though, because it's just the most obvious thing to do to give your game characters, and I use that term loosely, and say, well, look, that makes us different. So I think that there's, there's still a lot of rallies, so unpredictable and you brought up shocks that was a game that just decided you know what we're going to look at things like ssx and see how that would work out in the rally environment and i think that's what we need just a bit of originality that goes beyond the simcade with a gimmick type thing yeah just taking inspiration from different places and just being able to just like kind of stake your claim and like like you're saying we're going to be the rally game that does weather right we're going to be the rally game that really does track design interestingly and i I get the problem with that is it's hard to market like it's the same reason why when i try and tell people like why drive club is my favorite racing game this generation or at least maybe was until gt sport or i don't even know if gt sports my favorite but (laughs) when i try and tell people how much i love drive club it always gets lost because they're like, well, what's what's the catch? Yeah. Like, what's or not the catch, but like, what's what's the draw? Like, what's the thing it does? What's the gimmick? And it's like, 
I don't know. It's like, remember how, like, when you played Need for Speed, like, one of the early Need for Speed games when you were a kid and it felt like you were driving through a car commercial and, like, you had these exotic cars and these absolutely amazing tracks. It just felt like they were, like, the most crazy, you know, beautiful places on Earth. Like, imagine that, but with all of the power and, and you know, graphical prowess and production values of a game in 2014 or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what it was taken to its its most, you know, its final degree of just polish and just, although there wasn't really anything specifically unique about the structure of that game, I mean, there was the online stuff, but lots of games do that kind of stuff now, with the autolog and whatnot, like, it just, there was just something about being on, like, a track in that game, you know, being, being in that game, being in one of, like, the more iconic tracks or whatever, being in the car you liked and just just feeling like you were in you were doing something special in a place that was very special there's not many racing games that make me feel that way anymore where it's just like it's the thrill of the drive itself whether i'm competing against someone else or not like it's being in that environment yeah and and not just like oh like the the physics are on point and like this feels like the right car or whatever like i mean that's great too it's good to have a good simulation but like just nailing just that awe factor, you know? Something that Drive Club did really well to me, and something that a rally game could... I mean, i go on about this forever, because I love Drive Club, but... <laughs> no, I think um, you're bang on there. Basically, the problem isn't that we're getting all these off-road rally games, or off-road games in general. It's just that they, they just need something that actually sells them. It's the most dri- driven home point of cliches ever but the unique selling point aspect of your game you should be able to get people to look at it right away and go oh so that's what they're trying to do whereas if you looked at a copy of gravel and uh, say v rally later on in the year when people are sitting in a shop looking at those two games one in each hand it's like is it going to be pure luck that determines what one's picked up because they're probably going to look identical from the, the don't judge it by its cover obviously but from that cover they're probably going to look identical enough that people are just going to be like I can go with this one. <laughs> yeah, and and again, like, I'm, I mean, maybe it's a problem of branding. We talked about uh, Extreme Kana, and we can also talk about, like, Gravel is a terrible name. Like, you didn't, you weren't able to take Dirt, so you picked Gravel. Like, and maybe, yeah. may, you know, maybe Dirt was a silly name back in 2006 or, or 7 or whatever it came out. Like, it was, but, like, Especially in the U.S. where it didn't even have a Colin McRae name attached to it. It was just dirt. So, like, that's weird. <laughs> but, you know, Code, Codemasters was the thing. They, you know, that became their thing. Nobody nobody had a, a reference to, like... Well, I guess there was, like, the Asphalt games. But that's another, that's another thing. Nobody had a reference to a road surface type. Then Milestone's like, oh, well, we'll take Gravel now. It's like, well, <laughs> Gravel's also, like, the one that's most similar to dirt. Like, you could have picked, like... I don't know, tarmac or I don't know. Whatever. Point is, point is, I think, I think the branding has has a lot to do with this too. I don't know these because these come from studios that don't have a lot to play when it comes when you know when you're talking about marketing and whatnot. How can they really spread the word? I, I don't know. It's just like a lack of enthusiasm overall. Yeah, I think that you just summed up, summed it up perfectly at the end there. I think it's a lack of enthusiasm for committing to the branding or unique selling points because just a brief point on Dirt 4 again it's like your stage is cool 
And think of how much more cool it would have been if you gave players the ability to create their own tracks. And I know that's not an easy thing to do, and just putting a generator in is fine enough, but it's like one of those things where once you get bored of the, the predetermined track segments, why would you ever want to make another track on it yourself? And yeah, it's it's an interesting topic because I feel like of all the, the kind of subgenres that racing games have, you would think off-road would be the one where we would see the most originality, but it doesn't seem to be panning out that way. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I'll add to to your stage, and, and it does seem like this should be a genre with, with a lot of originality, and that was their attempt maybe to do that, is that, like, I don't think it's a flawed idea at all. I just think it's an idea that... I don't even think it's an idea that wasn't ready yet. I think it was something that they need to continue, continually develop. But you don't... Yes. You don't continually develop in the way of like, oh, well, you'll see your stage 2.0 and Dirt 5 in like 2020. Like, no, don't do that. Like, just give us more, more um, rallies and give us more different, you know, track types and sections of track. You know, if you had, if you had a hundred or 150 different, you know, permutation, not permutations, but different um, sections in, you know, Australia in Dirt 4. How about you come out with a deal, or not the LC? Don't do that. That's a bad idea. But how about you come out with the expanded content pack for free of just like, here's an extra fifty or a hundred, you know, areas or whatever. We fleshed it out more. Now things are a little bit less predictable. Like, again, you know, it's not a very sexy thing to say that, but like to acknowledge that, you know, your hot new idea that's going to upend the way rally games have been forever is is flawed and needs to be developed. Yeah. But it does need to be developed. It could be the solution to everything. You know, if if they can produce these things fast enough, I don't know, you know, figure out, you know, more efficient ways to do it and and uh, improve their engine and, and, and add some, like, you know, player customization in there, like you're saying, make your own tracks. Like, this could be, your stage could be a great thing, but they, they could get there and they could show people that and prove that by continually developing it, releasing extra packs and things like that for Dirt 4 as like a constant work in progress, but that, that never happened. So, so now we wait and we see if, if it's better in the next installment. Yeah. Whatever form that takes. I mean, quite wonder if maybe they would look at dirt rally too, potentially, but I don't know. I mean, like you said, they try to incorporate the dirt rallyness into dirt four with mixed results. So maybe they'll just stick with the numbered titles from here on. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... I guess I don't feel any better about the situation after talking about it, so... <laughs> yeah, so a somber note to end on, yeah. is that what you're saying? Yeah, a somber note to end on, but... But, uh, it's been about an hour, a little over that, so end we shall. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening to Time Extend again. Uh, just a quick round of plugs. My name's Adam Ismail. I write for a website called Tom's Guide. You can also see myself on GT Planet where I recently wrote this uh, retrospective on Daytona 2, which was a lot of fun to write about. I learned a lot. Uh, I don't think anyone read it, but if you like Daytona 2, <laughs> check it out. And um, I'm Brendan, of course, and you can find me on Twitter at Brendwings, and I also write for gtplanet.net. I'm also the, the other guy outside Adam that read his Daytona piece, so <laughs> go read that and you, you'll learn something, I'm sure, because it's a very well-written piece. And um, yeah, so you can find my work on gtplanet.net and Twitter at Breadwings if you want to shout at me for any inconsistencies or inaccuracies I might have said on the podcast. <laughs>
Oh, you know, if we do, if we do become more famous, or, or at least people listen, you know that's gonna happen. Oh, of course. Um, speak, speaking of which, uh, my Twitter is Pioneer Spine, because I'm bad at branding, even though, even though I'm supposed to be a media professional, <laughs> uh, I'm terrible at branding and forgot to list my own Twitter handle. Uh, I also want to add, you had a piece that, I think it went up, it must have gone up in the last month, like, between when we were kind of, uh, not recording shows, but about the three racing, three arcade racing games that released oh, uh, all yeah. right next to each other in it was 2009 or 2000, every year it was. Yeah, is that me? Me too, if I was in it. 2009, um, yeah. So that that is a great story. If you wanna, if you wanna be even more depressed, <laughs> <laughs> but you also love racing games, uh, Brendan wrote that GD Plant. Go check it out. It's a great story. Yeah, I recommend that one as well. Once you finish reading the Daytona piece, that's the natural progression <laughs> and there, there's some other writers on that site who do some stuff you should, give them a read too They're good guys. <laughs> all right thanks everyone and uh, we'll see you in our two weeks thanks everyone bye